You're fed up with the nine to five. You've been working hard for years and you're just not seeing the results you want. You want to break free from the traditional career, but don't know how. Business Breaks is here to help. Hello, everyone. This is the Business Breaks podcast and I'm your host, Dante Healy. My very special guest today is Pete Moore who helps entrepreneurs transform their frustrations into freedoms by using a variety of frameworks, which help them cut through the chaos and overwhelm of running a business. He's refined his tips, tools, and techniques within his own businesses over the past 28 years, and he also loves sharing so that others can live the life they deserve as business leaders. So are you overworked, overwhelmed, or frustrated by all the things you need to do as the leader of your business? And are you looking to gain more freedom, more time, and maybe a little more control over your life? So as a successful multipreneur and certified business coach, Pete is passionate about entrepreneurialism and helping business owners and leaders succeed. So I am very excited to hear Pete share his insights. Pete, welcome to Business Breaks. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Dante. And entrepreneurialism, it's a hard word, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's a bit of a mouthful. (laughs) It's all good because being an entrepreneur is hard too. And what we need to just work through sometimes, we got to work through the problems that we have and all of that sort of stuff. And there are frustrations around being a business owner. And there are frustrations and overwhelm and all these other things. And But at the same time, it's a great life and I wouldn't change it for a minute. And I find most people who have been lifelong entrepreneurs like me, Dante, it's, they're virtually unemployable. <laughs> and it's like, it would be very hard for me to go and work for somebody. And I mean, I know that a, a lot of the people that are listening now maybe are in a position of transition. They're thinking, mm, maybe I'd like to start my business. Maybe they've worked in corporate or other listeners already have their own business. But I think today's conversation is going to be some good sort of conversation around how to look at this, how to frame it up, how to think about your future and whatever that may be. Because ultimately, I think that's we're all we're all kind of have this cast of what our life should look like. And is entrepreneurism part of that or is it not? Both are the right answer for different people. But we'll we'll explore a little bit about that today. Brilliant. And I'm super excited, Pete. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your insights. And I guess first off, can you tell me what is a multipreneur and how does that differ from, say, a regular entrepreneur? Yeah. You know, so I just, from that side of things, I use that word in particular because people that own more than one business uh, and run more than one business, I, I consider multipreneurs. And pretty much my entire career, for the most part, I've had at least two businesses on the go, sometimes three. And it's just one of those things. It, it's uh, it's always been a way that I've set my business up and given me different things to do and all this other stuff. It's been a way of life for me. And in order to do that, I have had to set certain processes in place that allow me the freedom to actually tackle something else. Like I'll give you an example. For the last 12 years, we have owned a couple of shoe stores here in Canada, and they're called Shootopia. And it's a shootopia.ca. And from that side of things, we have those two shoe stores. 
which I work in about a day or so a week amongst the two stores. And the rest of the time, I spend my time talking to great people like you and your listeners and coaching them through their frustrations and their overwhelm and trying to free them up from their businesses so they can live the lives that they want to do. Because in my opinion, this is my true passionate. It's where I, what I call, it's my love it zone. And I love to talk business. I, it gives me energy. It doesn't suck the energy from me. And so when you're doing work that gives you energy, you're in the right field. And I think that's an interesting piece when you're looking for a business. And even if you've had the business for a long time, what within the business gives you energy and what within the business sucks the energy. Like when you finish doing 10 minutes work, it felt like it was three hours, right? That's the stuff that it's like, Oh, I can't do this any longer. That's what burns you out. That's all these different things, right? So we start to frame around what we're going to, as our business grows, we start to frame around these different things and how we're going to assign accountabilities to other and how we're going to continue to work in our areas of our love zones. Because ultimately, Dante, we, we become business owners because we want a better life, right? And whatever that better life is for you is uniquely yours. And I'm talking to the listener here. It's, it's uniquely yours. And that's okay. That better life might mean I want to live on a beach that uh, in, in Costa Rica, it might mean I want to ski every day in Denver. It, it doesn't really matter what it is. It's uniquely yours. The key thing here is you need to have your business deliver that to you. And you need to have a framework and a setup that will deliver that to you or else it's never going to happen. So, and, you know, that's why I came up with the five P's and I know we're going to talk a little bit about the five P's later today, but it's a framework that helps you get your thinking around how to develop the business to give you back what it is you truly want out of life. That's wonderful. And thank you. I feel your energy as well. You're invigorating me just listening to you. And I can see your passion for business and passion for understanding and optimizing the way people should be living their lives and integrating their work with their lifestyle. And so you must have a lot of success stories as a leadership and business coach. So may I ask, what do you find most rewarding uh, when you see uh, business owners and you guide them through their struggles and frustrations? There's a ton of different things. And I'll give you a couple of quick examples. One of my clients, been in business 10 years, he was taking some vacations every year. But every time he took vacations, he was still taking his phone with him, still answering all the calls, still answering all the emails. It's like, okay, well, is that a real vacation? So this summer, well, I've worked with him for about a year now. This summer, they took a two-week vacation. He had pawned off, by the time he took the vacation, he had pawned off all of the phone calls. He had pawned off all. He really didn't get any, any contact at all two full weeks. And he said, that's the first time in 10 years. That's wow. a win for me. That's a freedom right? And if I can help somebody deliver, if I can deliver that, because that's, that was his unique want, right? One of his mm. wants. And it's like, okay, well, how, what do we need to do to set that up so that we can deliver that, right? Another lady uh, that I spoke with today, actually, and she said, we are finally, she goes, not only fully staffed, but overstaffed. For the first time, she said, probably in about five years. And I said, well, why is that? And she said, because we've finally got the process right. We know how and where to find the people. We know how to bring them in. We know how to train them. And we know, and, and we assign the right accountability. And everything is working in a smooth system that's repeatable. 
And before that, and she's been a business owner for a long time, like 20 years in, in owning this business. And she goes, before that, it was all kind of happenstance. And now it just seems to run like clockwork. And she said, best thing about it is I'm not even doing the hiring. That's a win. That's a win for me. So when I look at the wins that I, after we set some of this stuff up and I, and I get the feedback, it's like, mm, this is fun. I love it. That's powerful. And so coming to your specific skill sets and being that multipreneur that owns and runs successfully multiple businesses simultaneously, do you think that successful entrepreneurship can be taught or how much of it is inherent? Well, I don't think any is. I mean, I think everything is learned. That's just my personal feeling in that you've learned it you might have learned it from your mom and dad because they were entrepreneurs. That's helpful. But at the same time, you still have to learn it. I mean, I, I don't know how much of this stuff you're born with. I truly believe that you are brought up in certain environments that are conducive to learning things easier, that kind of stuff. But at the same time, if you want this, there's a ton of information out there. I mean, Google is your friend and you you can find out a ton of stuff. You can watch a ton of videos. You can take a ton of courses. You can talk to people uh, like you and me uh, who are helping people and mentoring people and coaching people and all sorts of other things along the, the lines here. Uh, and there there's help out there and there's people that want to see you succeed. And um, if you have the drive and passion, then you can make this stuff happen. It's really up to you to do it. And that's where a lot of people stop. <laughs> they, they, they read the books, they do all this stuff, and then they stop just before the action step, <laughs> which, which is sad because yeah. what you need to take the action in order to move the ball. And so what I try to do with most of the conversations that I have with my clients and, you know, most of my clients are already successful business people that are looking to reduce some of the frustrations and looking to sort of move on to the next step of their business, whatever it is, or in sort of a change scenario. And it's like, we just need to simplify your life right now so that you can understand what it is you want to do and then rejig what you're currently doing in order to allow you to do that. And so that's really that process and people part of the five P's. And the five P's are your promise, your product, your process, your people, and your profit. And that process and people part is always sort of some jiggling around there to do when you're an existing business owner and you want to relieve yourself of some of the jobs and duties and tasks and responsibilities that you have in your accountability chart in your business. Thank you. And yeah, the five P's are very interesting concepts. And I've heard of four P's, but yeah, the promise piece is new for me. So that's intriguing. And when people are looking to get to that next level in their business or career, how does it all come back to, is it that axis, as you say, between process and people to get that performance? How, say, for example, in someone who's looking to start a business, they're an employee, they, they know their process and their people, but they're probably not confident about the promise, have no marketing skills and probably don't know what they can sell. Where do you start? <laughs> well, there's a few different ways. Um, as a former business broker, I used to help people buy and sell businesses. So one way is that you can buy an existing business in your area of expertise and use that as the catalyst to grow whatever it is that you want to grow, right? I've done that. I've bought 
businesses, Shootopia, which I currently own now, the main store I, we bought and we opened a couple of others. But from, from that side of things, so I've bought some businesses that have a proven established income and in sort of business. The other way is building a business. And I've done that too. So there are ups and downs to both. And just to kind of give you a quick go round on it, and it's not rocket science. I mean, when you buy somebody else's line of income, there's a cost to it, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're already getting, hopefully, a certain amount of people, a certain amount of customers, right? That, that fourth P, a certain amount of process, you already should have some products aligned. So you might want to tweak them and stuff and make them your own and what have you, but there's a certain capability there that mm -hmm. is already pre-built and you're paying for that. The other way of doing it is to start it on your own and work it up. And you, the cost is less, but it will take you longer to get there. And it will also, there's other, there's other sort of frustrations along the way, let's call it, that uh, are affiliated with that, but it's all around dollars. And so two different ways of sort of growing that business for that person that's looking at it. And I think the big thing, when, any, and when anyone's looking at um, making the transition from working in corporate or working for a small business into a uh, owning their own business is to understand the parameters around owning a business and talk to some other people that are business owners and get their ideas on what they're doing and what do they enjoy. And what I see a lot of times is that people have this, uh, especially people that haven't been business owners before, they have this idea that business owners, they, they drive big cars and they go away on vacations and they you know live in a nice house and have a great life. But what they don't see is that they're working till 12 at night and they're working at 5 a.m. on Sunday and they're missing family trips and they're all this other stuff because that's sort of a lot of times part of owning a business, at least for the first while until you get all these things in order. And there's a lot of risk involved and there's a lot of sort of other frustrations involved. And a lot of times, depending on the business you buy, it's, it's interesting. You may find yourself working way more hours for a lot less pay for a certain amount of time until you flip the switch and get things on the tracks, right? And so, you know, there's uh, one, one uh, person that mentioned the best way to make less than minimum wage is to uh, buy a business so that if you put it back into, you know, instead of working 2,000 hours for whatever wage you work for, you're working 4,000 hours for the same amount of money. But the difference is, is that if it's in your love it zone, it doesn't even feel like work. And so that some of the trade-offs around some of this stuff is, is what you need to understand and be okay with to become a business owner. Makes sense. And you have to love what you do. Otherwise, yeah. what's the point? Yeah. Right. You might as well just continue working for somebody else and making what you make and going home at the end of the day and not having to worry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Security. That's the trade-off. Right. <laughs> and, and that's okay too. If yeah. that's what you want, right? And it's all about understanding and knowing what it is you want. And once, even if you've been in business for a while, and I've got out of businesses that I no longer wanted. I mean, we had a cleaning company. We had a bathroom renovation company. Uh, we, we built those businesses and sold them. The cleaning company I bought when it had uh, about 20 or 30 customers. We built it up to 300 customers. I got sick of cleaning urinals. 
I cleaned more urinals than you could ever imagine. Uh, and what, um, you know, I did get it. I did have a team and all that other stuff, but that whole business to me, I, I kind of lost my luster in it. In the bathroom renovation, same, same sort of thing. And so, but it's my prerogative as the business owner to say, I'm going to build this to sell it, or I'm going to build this to keep it. And with Shootopia, for example, we're building it to keep it. With simplifying entrepreneurship, I can see myself helping other business owners. I, I have no intention on retiring. So I could, I could do this until I'm, you know, 85 years old, if there's somebody interested in having a conversation about business. And that's the that's the dream is getting to that point where it works for you and not the other way around, right? But for sure. you have to sure. invest some time, invest some effort to really master it and, and then take it to the next level. Amazing. And I guess getting to that point of mastery, or at least some degree of control, people have to experience some form of failure, or at least challenge when starting out on any new endeavor. And I bet you have some really interesting stories about struggles and failures. Do you have any you'd be able to share in terms well, of your For part? those that are watching on video, you can see by the shine on top of my head that I've already pulled all my hair out. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I have had a few problems along the way. And they usually roll back to the five Ps. And I know we're going to still dig in that in some of that, but it's usually because... Some of the process that I had in place wasn't as clear and defined and aligned as it should have been. It's usually because the people in place weren't probably the right people. I'll give you one example. Years ago when my kids were young, we didn't have a ton of money. We were starting a new business. We had three young boys, all this stuff, right? And we would get in the car and drive to Florida, and which is a 22-hour drive from where we live. It's a long drive to get away from the winter and into some warmer weather for a week or so in the winter. So we did that for many years. But uh, one year, I had somebody working for me who was going to take over the phones and stuff, like um, a manager, essentially, while I was gone. And that manager knew I was going away and quit two days before I went away. And that person had been with me for several years. Like, I, I thought, everything was good. And I just kind of got this, this, this happened. And it's like, wow, that sort of blindsided me. Yeah. So what I did, I didn't want my family to lose their vacation is I drove them down on the weekend to Florida. I flew home so that I could run my business. This is back before a lot. And this is, um, would have been maybe in the late nineties. So uh, early two thousands and, you know, before cell phones were a real big thing and all that sort of stuff, I came back so that I could run my business and everything would be okay for that week. And then I flew back down a week later and I hopped in the car and I drove my family home. So I missed the week with my family that we had booked as our free time for that year or for that, at least that, that uh, half of year until the summer came around. And it was like, I don't ever want this to happen again. Makes sense. So what am I going to do to make some changes here? And the same sort of thing. I've had failures with people that we've hired and we've instituted different processes to allow us to make some changes there so that hopefully we don't do that again. And we have a, a very sort of fixed way that we hire as far as our, our the way we attract people, the way we go through our interview process, the way we train people, the way we, if we have to let them go, the way we let go people, all of those different things are clear and delineated because of all of the different things that have happened over the years in the various businesses that we've owned, right? And so you learn along the way, a lot of these different things. And 
every small thing that happens becomes a small thing that improves your process. And it's like compound interest. Every small thing that improves your process over the years makes that process so much better that, you know, that's the stuff that I've built a lot of the frameworks for simplifying entrepreneurship on so that I can share them with other people and they get a shortcut basically of the stuff that I've lost my hair on. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's so many compromises people have to make, and it's just what compromises and not trying to avoid them having to get yeah. into that situation where you have to choose between your business and your family time. It's, yeah. it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you were working for somebody and something happened, you would just go ahead and take that vacation, right? It's like, hey, this is my vacation. Yeah. This is my week off. I'm, I'll see you when I get back. But yeah. when you're the owner, it's like, hmm. Now I got to have, you're you're the final stop really in most cases, right? So it's either we're going to shut this thing down for a week so that I can go and everybody's off or we're going to, I got to do what I need to do in order to make this thing happen so that I'm the only one that's out. My business keeps running, my family keeps running, but I'm going to be out. And those are some of the risks that you take when becoming a business owner. Those are Mm -hmm. some of the trials and tribulations that you will go through without a doubt. We all do. And the idea is to minimize as much as you can the possibility of those kind of things happening. And what if everything's up here in your head, all the process, all the stuff, then it's really hard to get anybody else to help you make decisions. And ultimately, when you start employing people, decisions need to be made at the lowest possible level of your business, mm. right? Yeah. If if you're always saying, why doesn't that person just make the decision? It's probably because you don't have the right process in place or you haven't actually assigned them accountability. Yeah. Makes sense. And if you can't get to that state where people are making decisions at the lowest possible level, then um, you become the limiting factor as a business owner and everything comes back to you and you are spending those weekends working. Pretty frustrating. I don't want to live there anymore. And and most of the clients that I work with, they don't want to either. And that's why they're saying, "Mm, I need some help here. Wonderful. And then um, coming back to the five piece, let's yeah. dig into that. So how yeah. do you prevent people from working their weekends? Yeah. And what are the major pain points that you like to tackle? Yeah. Well, let's just, we'll roll through quickly through the five, five P's really. And your job as a leader is to create clarity. Ultimately, that's, you need to create clarity so that decisions can be made. Because if others can't make decisions, you're going to make them all. And That's like you said, the stopping point. So where does it all start? Well, we've talked a little bit about the promise and some people talk about the vision and the mission, right? What's my vision and what's my mission? Well, my, my vision might be what I want to have 12 trucks on the road, installing furnaces every day as a central air conditioning and furnace company. And when, when that happens, I'm going to have a cottage and all this other stuff. So you build your, your vision. The mission is more your marching orders. It's more like, okay. If we're going to, if that's the vision, then I need to have two trucks on the road by 2024 so that we can start to make the inroads of being 12 trucks, right? And so you're breaking down this greater vision, this sort of 25 year future, which I consider the vision into a mission statement, which is like one to two years type thing. And those are internal documents. Those are for you and your team. The promise is more of an external document that you can share with everybody. It's what you're doing for them. You're showing, you're taking them from here to there. It's the transition. So like for me, I want to take you from frustration 
to freedom using the frameworks that we talk about, right? And that I can help coach to and all this other stuff. I'm taking you from being frustrated, overworked, overwhelmed, no time to enjoying your life as a business owner. That's that's my promise with simplifying entrepreneurship, right? My promise for Shootopia is look great and feel fantastic. What can we do for our shoe store? If somebody comes in and wants to buy a pair of shoes, what are they probably looking to do? They're probably looking to look great and feel fantastic. And what does that mean? It means when I look in the mirror with this pair of shoes on, I go, I look pretty good, right? So if we can deliver that feeling, it's like, okay, that's one. Now the feel good is like, if I'm standing there in the mirror with these new pair of shoes on and I close my eyes and I go, "Ah, those feel fantastic. Ah, delivery number two. So now we got them looking good and feeling fantastic. What's the third three-letter word? It's aha. Aha. I finally found the perfect pair that lets me look good and feel fantastic. I didn't think it was possible because usually the stuff that looks good doesn't feel good. And usually the stuff that feels good doesn't look good. So if we've delivered that, we've then captured all of the all of those feelings. And they're going to walk up to the till and they're going to say, what? It doesn't even really matter what the price of the shoe is. It makes me look good and feel fantastic. I'm going to pay the price and I'm happy about it. And they look back at Shootopia and they're like, hmm, next time I need a pair of shoes, I'm coming back here because they know how to get me something that makes me look good and feel fantastic, right? So when we look at the promise, that's the promise. It's some. It's like a few words. It's a phrase or a theme that can be basically put behind the desk of your entrance way of your of your and you can shout it out to the world saying what is my business it's it's helping you get from there to there right and then you can expand on that with your elevator pitch and all that other stuff when people look good and feel fantastic they live life to the fullest and all this other stuff right but uh, that's taking it a few steps further but really All of the decisions that we make at Utopia are around those words. So the next, that's the, that's the promise. The next step is the product, right? And if you're a service-based business, it would be your services, right? But, or programs, but we use product. So from a product perspective, it's like, if this shoe doesn't align with helping somebody look good and feel fantastic, then it doesn't belong in our store. If it's only one or the other, probably not going to be in our store. We want stuff that's going to do both as much as we possibly can, because that's our promise, right? So with the products, we're always looking for, I mean, I look, I use the 80-20 rule, shave off 10% of your products that people either don't want anymore, don't feel any value with, just aren't using, or don't care, or don't align with your promise. Hone that middle 80% so that it's even better than it ever used to be, and it drives home more profit for you. And then always be looking as the, the business owner, always be looking for the next 10 or 20% of the new stuff that's going to become your current 80%, right? So think about that in your product, and I'm talking to the listeners here, in your product, in your service offering, in your programs, what can you parse off that's really, you might have done it forever now, but just because you've done it for a long time doesn't mean you need to continue to do it. A lot of people's promises have changed over the last few years because life has changed over the last few years. So is your promise as accurate as maybe it once was? Is it time for a rejigging and a rewording a little bit? Do we have to realign? Because these middle three Ps, the product, the process, and people are all about alignment to that, right? And then, so that's your product piece. And we could talk a whole podcast on, on each of these, but you know, then we roll into process. Well, holy cow, 
there's process all over your business. How is your washroom cleaned? How is, how is the phone answered? How is your bookkeeper inputting your invoicing? How are your bills being paid? How is your marketing happening? What's the customer process from when they first meet you until you've delivered your, your product and then after service? Like all of these different things deserve process. And if the process is all in your head, you're never going to be able to assign accountability. So how do you get it out? Well, you start with the low-hanging fruit and you just start writing down process, step-by-step, -step, checklists, those kind of things, just to get it out in the ether. Make sure that other people can actually do it. And, you know, I'll, I'll use my shoe store as, a, as an example. Because I, I'm only in my shoe stores, give or take a week or a day or so a week, I'm not doing the day-to-day -day processes as much as I once was. So when somebody has something, like if something came through the door and they wanted me to receive it, I could do it because we have the manual. I could go to the manual. I know where to go to process and then I could follow my step-by-step -step procedure and my point of sale system to receive that item. So I wouldn't be the most efficient at that, but the process is there in case the person that usually does it isn't. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the person who does it doesn't even need the manual because it's just like automagical for them. They just do it. It's just done, right? So yeah. at the same time, you need to have those backup steps so that if you're not there, if you're usually the one that makes the decision and you want to go on that holiday and you want to, yeah. or whatever the case is, or you're going to be away for a few days, somebody else needs to get that done or else your customer's not going to be real happy because they're expecting your promise to be delivered, Right. So yeah. all of the different processes, think about it, your human resources, your operational, your marketing, your sales side of things, your finance side of things, lots and lots of processes. And they should be documented as detailed as you possibly need them in order for somebody else to do the job without question in full confidence that they can actually nail this without your, your sort of coming to you and saying, is this right? Is this right? Is this right? Yeah. Thank you. A lot of gold in there. And yeah, I mean, as you say, you could probably do a podcast episode on each. Oh, so that would be five uh, easily. Yeah. <laughs> and then some. <laughs> no, well, thank I, you. I have on my podcast. And then that's, it's ah. just one of these things we need to dig down into these. You need to take time as the business owner, or even if managers are listening here, managers of the business, you need to actually take the time to think this stuff through because it's only through thinking it through yourself, you're gaining clarity for yourself. So you can bring that clarity to your team. And when your team has clarity, they build confidence themselves. And that's when momentum starts to happen. Absolutely. And thank you. I'm going to take a lot from that because just, just a few of those concepts you explained, I've heard variations of it, but the way you put it strings it together really nicely. So thank you. Thank you very much for sharing. And I guess coming to another topic of yours where you discuss turnkey businesses and those that are being self-managed, uh, which has lots of benefits in terms of that personal freedom which business owners aspire to, but a lot struggle with. And um, I think some of my listeners would be very interested in what are the key aspects you need to think about when looking to set up your business to be that turnkey business. And when you're at the start of the journey, should that be designed in or is that something that can be built on top of your business at a later stage? What's the best approach in your mind? 
Well, Dante, we'll, we'll reel it back just a little bit because we only hit three of the five P's. And the next P, the next P is really the most important piece to create the turnkey business, which is your people, right? And from that side of things, I, I like to break down people into three different categories. One, it's all around the sphere of influence of your promise, right? So mm. who are your ideal customers, your ideal clients that align with your promise? And it's just as important to attract those people as it is to repel the wrong people. Because if the wrong people are coming in, it's going to zap you of all of that energy. <laughs> it's going to take you down a path you do not want to go. And you're not going to have the time to spend on the right people. So understanding your ideal client, super, super important. Understanding your ideal teammates, super, super important. Who's the best person that you've ever worked with or ever worked for you? Who's the worst person you've ever worked with or, or has worked for you? List them out. Take a sheet of paper and list them out. I'm, I'm saying this to you listeners out there. Uh, actually take your sheet of paper, put a line down the middle, best on the left side, worst on the right side, and think about their names. It was whatever, Sean, that was the worst, and Mike, that was the best, right? You already know your, their names. I know you do. So go ahead and list the traits and characteristics beside these both people that made them the best and made them the worst so that you can write your copy, you can align all of the you know, advertising you're going to do to attract these people, and you can also do the same to repel the wrong ones. We're not looking for this kind of person. We are looking for this kind of person. You can do the same with your ideal clients, by the way. And the third one, so you have your ideal client, you have your ideal teammate, and your ideal suppliers. So anyone else that's helping you supply your promise. So in footwear, I would say our brands, like the various brands that we're affiliated with at our store, help deliver a certain product that fits a certain need. And with simplifying entrepreneurship, I would say what I use different, a different outsource suppliers to help deliver my podcast, to help deliver my marketing, to help like all of those outsource suppliers. Are they the ones, are they the best ones I could find that align to what I do? do they even know what I do. So I want to be always aligning with the best clients, the best teammates, and the best outsource suppliers with full clarity and knowledge of what my promise is. Because if they don't understand my promise, how the heck can they tell me that their product is the best? Makes sense. And yes, so, strategic partnerships with people. Yeah, Sorry. right. Yeah. And when you have that alignment between the product, between the process, between the people, aligned to the promise, that's when the profit comes, Dante. That's when the profit comes. And when the profit comes, you can start looking at all of these different things. And by the way, getting back to the turnkey business, that's when turnkey business starts to happen too, because the idea of turnkey, as a realtor, a former realtor, I used to help people buy and sell businesses, but I was a licensed for homes as well. The idea behind a turnkey operation or a turnkey house is that you get the keys and you go in and you don't have to do anything. The house is already ready for you. All you have to do is live in it. Think of an Airbnb, for example. You go in and, I mean, you might bring your food in, but outside of that, it's set to go for the week, right? So that's mm -hmm. a turnkey operation when you go into an Airbnb.
So what's the difference between going into a turnkey operation? Because we talked a little bit about the idea of buying a business or building a business, right? If you're buying a turnkey operation that is truly, I can go in and sit at the desk and everything happens around me today, mm. there's a cost to that. Yeah. It's usually much higher multiple than something that's in disarray or unaligned, like we've just talked about with the five Ps. And, yeah. and the cost is discounted depending on how far out of alignment it is, right? Right down to, I don't even have a business where there is no cost. It's whatever cost you want to start it up. So you're going to get in there knowing if you're looking to buy a business or start a business, understanding that inverse relationship of I'm going to pay more for something that's ready to go than I am for something that I have to actually do. That's the risk reward ratio that you're going to come into play here with a, the idea of having a turnkey business. So if you're already a business owner, the most value that you can get for your business is when you can hand it over to somebody in a turnkey fashion where really it's running itself. And from my I, I basically live this stuff. That's why I, I coach it because I, I find it hard to coach something that I'm not actually doing. And so from my perspective at our shoe stores, I'm involved as I want to be, but ultimately almost all decisions at the shoe stores are not made by me anymore because I have the right dashboard set up. I have the right, I know what's going on, but I'm not actually making all those decisions. So now it's really an investment more than it is a job, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's, it kind of, when it's a turnkey thing, it's, do I want to keep this investment? Is it a good investment or should I take my X amount of dollars and move that to the stock market? Or should I move it to a home, another rental house, or should I move it to a different business? Because now it's really an investment. That's when it becomes turnkey, right? And so yeah. the idea is that you're always trying to create this business that you own to be able to run itself. And when it gets to the point where, and do you have to dive back in? Yes, you have to dive back in. I mean, I go to my stores. If somebody's sick, I got cover. All It's not like you can't, I mean, if you have the right amount of money, you can actually be way overstaffed and you can never work in your business. But depending on how you choose to run that business, the idea there is that as the business owner, I go in and I actually cover for my team. Hmm. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what position you're in, I will cover and I will respond to the next person up on that level. So if I'm going in as a salesperson today because we have nobody on the sales floor and everybody's out with COVID or whatever the case is, I'm going to go in as a salesperson. I'm not the boss that day. The store manager mm -hmm. is the boss. The store manager mm -hmm. tells me what to do because that day I'm a salesperson on the floor helping my team make their day. Leading from the front. Yeah. And I mean, mm -hmm. But why would I supersede what the store manager's job is just because I'm there? I'm, I'm not there as the position of owner that day. I'm there as the position of salesperson. And salespeople mm. resp respond to the, say, the store manager. So I do too. And I will go to the store manager and I'll say, hey, Jen, what do I need to do today? And she'll say, oh, we got this, this, and this. You have to receive this and this. And I'm like, oh, I haven't received an ever. <laughs> like, we, like our little story already. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, well, where the, where the procedures book is, get it out. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's, but that's the way yeah. it works. Right. And, and so you have to be okay with that as the business owner, when you're up and down the chain of command and that you're not superseding lines of communication and lines of accountability, because that mucks it up for everybody. And then when people start working around who's accountable for stuff that, yeah, boy, that just, that just opens doors that you don't want to get into. Agreed. Uh, as you say, it, it creates a can of opens up a can of worms that, um, as you, you, your rules then get undermined, and people, if you you don't respect your own rules, other, why would other, anyone else? Oh, um, so yeah. I, I'm always, I always fully understand if, if I'm covering for somebody, I understand the position that I'm covering and I respond and react the way I should within that position. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. You sound amazing to work for, if you don't mind me saying. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. We are, are, are so blessed. Uh, we, one of our, our core um, sort of core metrics is we want to have 75% retention rate, which is very uncommon in retail. And uh, we have that. We've got a lot of people that have worked with us seven years, five years, uh, eight years. We've owned the business for 12. And we've had many people that have you know, been in our business and left for a period of a year or two and then come back uh, because they were at school or whatever, you know, different reasons. But it's so gratifying when people come back because it's like, hey, they loved working here or they know what it's like and they like the culture. So it's like, hey, I'd love to have you back. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's a, it's just one of those things. And, you know, when we talk, uh, we're not, you know, today's podcast isn't all around culture, but, um, but that idea of, of everybody knowing what the promise is and living that way, when you have the right process, you have the right people tied into it, it becomes a bit of a club and it becomes a place where people want to be involved. Like I said, we're attracting the right people and we're repelling the wrong people. When people come in and they don't like, they aren't team players and they aren't, they, they don't stay with us very long because they're like, eh, this isn't for me. But at the same time, it isn't for us either. And that's okay. Go find a place that that you is going to be better for you, and we'll find somebody who's better fit for us. Because that's a key piece. The people portion of the five P's can either be your biggest frustration as a business owner, or can be your biggest opportunity to freedom. Yeah, you make it sound so simple, but that's the trick, isn't it? It's deceptively simple, but it's not easy to get to easy. that stage. Yeah. It's not. And it's called simplifying entrepreneurship, right? <laughs> <laughs> entrepreneurship is not an easy thing. But all of these little things along the way, just little bits here, little bits there, little bits there, you get to a point where things are are actually, you look back, like I said, I took my vacation two weeks and I didn't take my phone or, <laughs> or we were finally overstaffed and like these different little wins. It's like whatever those wins are, let's, let's put frameworks in place and set up some stuff that's going to actually allow you to experience what it is you want out of your business. And as a business coach, there's a difference between a coach and a consultant. And a consultant is somebody that does it for you, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm going to hire a marketing consultant and they're going to do all my social media. So I don't have to worry about social media anymore. They're just going to post the stuff. That's a consultant. Yeah. A coach is somebody who coaches you through and you do the work, right? And so yeah. giving you different ideas and different sort of frameworks and strategies and all this sort of stuff. And if you think of it, a coach 
on the soccer pitch does not actually is not actually kicking the ball in the game right or mm-hmm. in the olympics the coach is not running the 100 meter dash or yeah. in hockey here in canada the coach is not on the ice the coach is there to support their team and make them even better and that's how i look at what i do with simplifying entrepreneurship it's like i can't do this stuff for you but i can give you the tools and the frameworks and the conversation and the ideas and the reframing of all this stuff to get your head in the right space for you to take the action but ultimately you have to take the action you have to run the race yeah it's your action it's your business it's your life and you probably robbed them of the joy of actually experiencing it if you did it for them as well. So, yeah, some yeah. people would be happy if I did it for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and there are people like that, right? Who just want to sit back on the beach and let it let it roll. And that's okay. Honestly, it. that's okay if that's what you mm. want. Yeah. But then you need a consultant, not a coach, right? <laughs> yeah, true. Thanks, Pete. So last question, and then we'll go into... Uh, wrap up so in the uk we're in a kind of a recessionary trend and it looks like we'll probably be out of it by summer of 2023 and for those who are thinking of starting their businesses and maybe in a position where they're looking at it right now but are hesitant to consider it because of the current economic climate what advice would you give in terms of should they start it or shouldn't they? Should they wait until things are better? What would you say? It depends on your business. So it depends on your idea. But mm. as a general rule, my sort of answer to that one is start it today. Okay. You're going to go through recessions. You're going to go through good times. It takes a while to get a business started. We're talking six months, according to your estimates. I mean, you might not even have your incorporation, your shingle out by then. So from, from this side of things, it does take time. If you're looking to buy a business, buying a business usually takes some time too. So if you're thinking about this, start now. If you're looking to buy a business, you may even be able to get it at a discount because over the last couple of years, they may not have performed the way they were pre-pandemic. And most mm-hmm. businesses are bought on the last two years of earned income. So just think about the different things that can play into this. And when I look at a business, because I've bought and sold several, per, this is my personal feeling. It's, I'm not reflecting it upon anyone else that's listening here. But my personal feeling is I like to own and be involved in businesses that, are st- that still have value 25 years from now or more. Mm. So are people still going to need shoes 25 years from now? Thinking they are, and they might not be delivered in the way they are right now. And that's fine. That's up to me to figure out over the next 25 years. But are people still going to need shoes? Yes. Are people still going to have business problems 25 years from now and want to get out of the frustrations and and try to free up themselves and get some of their time back and and start, you know, enjoying some of their relationships and doing all this other stuff? Eh, kind of think they are, right? So, yeah. but what is somebody going to need the next little um, trinket that's uh, hot for this Christmas? Maybe not. So for me, that's that kind of business is not in my wheelhouse as much as some of these other ones, right? And when you look at the valuation of different things, you can play with that and look at that and it's, uh, understand it. But I encourage anybody here to think that's lis- that's listening today, is your business going to be around in 25 years time? Is your business going to be around in a hundred years time? Because both of my businesses in a hundred years time, people are still going to be wearing shoes. People are still going to have issues with their business, whatever that business is. 
there's going to be problems and somebody's going to be in charge and somebody's going to want to relieve themselves of some of those issues. They're going to need a coach, <laughs> right? So what are what are your things? And and I just that's one framework that I like to use. But what's the framework that you want to use as you enter? And understanding that's important because if I was if I was really going to buy a business making a widget that I think is only going to have a one or two year life, then there's a different sort of philosophy around how I'm going to own and operate that business. I'm not saying that's a bad business. You could make millions doing that, right? Like Cabbage Patch Kids and all these different things that have come along the way. But it's it's just it's a different way, different philosophy of looking at things and. When you're doing your exploration for you as the business owner, you need to kind of understand the differences between these so you can make the right choice for you and your family. Brilliant. Thank you, Pete. And I'm out of questions for now, but it's been an uh, insightful conversation and really thank you for your time. As we close out this podcast, a couple of final questions. First off, uh, do you have a project you're working on that you'd care to share with our listeners? Yeah, I have my own podcast and it's called the Simplifying Entrepreneurship Podcast. And it's actually ending at the end of this year and it's going to be rebranded. So depending on when we go live with this, but it's going to be rebranded as the business owner breakthrough in the new year. But that's something that I'm always working on. I write articles all the time on LinkedIn and on Medium. So always working on stuff there. I'm working on a book too around the five Ps. So always, always stuff on the go for sure. One of the things that as we kind of come to the end of the year here, we're recording on December 1st and people, a lot of people are thinking about what uh, making it their best year ever in 2023. And Mm. how do you make it your best year ever? Well, you start your plan. You start going through the five P's. You start, you know, and one of the best ways to start is to really assess where you're currently at. And if you're a business owner, and you would like to take an assessment, I've got a great one on my website. It's you know, My website's Simplifying Entrepreneurship, and you can Google me and you'll find everything about me at Simplifying Entrepreneurship. I know it's a long one, but um, if you go to simplifyingentrepreneurship.com, and then there's blue buttons there that say, take the assessment, and they're all over the website. You can't miss them. And when you take the assessment, it will spit you back around a 40-page document on the stuff that you're doing really well as a business owner and the stuff that you're not. And it gives you an idea of where to start. So whether you, for those that are listening, you see a bunch of books behind me, whether you start reading up on the stuff that you need to read up on, you're watching your YouTube videos, you're listening to podcasts like you are today, or whether you hire a coach like me to help you along the way, at least you'll get what you need to get with full knowledge of where you're green lighted, all the stuff you're doing really well, and where there's some red lights that you need to actually push through for 2023. Thank you, Pete. And I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes. So thank you. No worries there for the listeners. And I'll also subscribe to your podcast. I think it will be very valuable. So the final thing, I think you've already said it, but what's the best place to connect with you for our listeners? Best place is on my website, simplifyingentrepreneurship.com. And I'm active on LinkedIn as well. I'm on I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Pete Moore, M-O-H-R is the correct spelling of my last mm-hmm. name, Pete M-O-H-R. And so you can find me there if you want to have a quick conversation directly. But for all sort of things about Pete and about simplifying entrepreneurship, just go to the website and connect with me there. And then we'll have a great conversation. I'm happy to connect with anybody who hopefully something has hit home for you today that the listener has. It's like, I really should do something about that. And if you're at that stage, let's have a chat. Thank you, Pete. And everyone, you've been listening to Dante Healy who's interviewed special guest Pete Moore. 
And this is Business Breaks. Thank you very much. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, thanks, Dan. This podcast shares experiences and insights gained from business, IT, and digital finance. Hosted by two leaders who have made the leap themselves, this show is dedicated to helping listeners think differently about their career aspirations.